In America, we have the luxury of creating disorders. Let me explain myself. It's what happens after you become spoiled. You lose focus and drift toward the worst parts of human fallenness. Some folks talk about this perspective when they say idle hands are the devil's workshop. America is a blessed country. It has been for a very long time. But with the blessing comes spoilage and, well, you can just start well, thinking and doing things that really are not helpful, transformative, or redemptive. And then there's a famine in the land. And when the famine comes, personal suffering happens, and folks begin to refocus, reprioritize, and, and they start changing. And this is what is happening. I've heard this from so many people over the past couple of weeks with the coronavirus scare in 2020. It is causing a global recalibration of our souls. Welcome to Life Over Coffee. This is Rick Thomas. This is episode 234. The title of this episode is The Unintended but Strangely Helpful Benefit of Coronavirus. That verse about the idle hands is the devil's workshop. It is a paraphrase of Proverbs 16, 27 through 29. Let me share that verse, those verses with you, Proverbs 16. It says, a worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. What you see here is this companion. You have a person who is really not a good person, and they they do bad things. And so a worthless man, he, he plots evil. A dishonest man, he spreads strife. A violent man leads his neighbor in a way that is not good. And that's what happens when you become spoiled. You, you're you not grateful any longer, and you lose that focus that I was talking about earlier. I mentioned this idea of America because we're so spoiled, we can sit around and just create all of these kinds of disorders. I heard another person, and I, I don't remember who it was, or I would let you know, but they they said that when all of this is over, the coronavirus scare of 2020, we will have only two genders. I got the point. People without a missional focus drift into nonsensical things that tear away at family life and community vision. Perhaps a close analogy is a teenager who has all the world's devices and limited responsibility. You put those three things together, I'm not dissing on or throwing shade on teenagers here, but you put those three things together. In fact, you put, it doesn't have to be a teenager, you put an adult in this mix here, but you take a teenager and give them all the world's devices and limited responsibility, well, they're going to lose focus Bad things are going to happen. They're going to do nonsensical things. Without a vision, this teenager will perish, but not just perish. He will wreak havoc 
on his family. And then he comes to an end of himself, sitting in the hog lot of life, talking about the prodigal son in Luke 15, thinking how good things used to be, but he got off track. One of the unintended consequences of all suffering is we lose our focus. Strangely, personal loss and discomfort are beneficial. And that's why I titled this podcast, The Unintended but Strangely Helpful Benefit of Coronavirus. I'm not making light of it. There have been many people who have died because of this virus, and so not at all would I make light of it or say that it's not serious for a certain group of people. But I do want to draw attention to that that God is still sovereign. God is working in our lives, and we don't want to miss this this redemptive opportunity that we have here. And so the process to benefit from disappointment begins by taking inventory of what the pain is doing to you. How many people have come home to an empty house? I use this illustration because it's mine. It's autobiographical. Only to realize that their spouse has left. Once they somewhat recover from the devastation of a broken home and a broken marriage, they make plans never to walk that road again. That is a benefit of a devastating situation. And so what are the steps to benefiting from tragedy? In this podcast, I want to give you five sequential steps that are applicable to all of our lives. I'm talking specifically about the coronavirus of 2020, but you can apply this to any disappointment that you are going through. In fact, I will give you some suggestions in in just a moment. But here are the five things that I want to present to you in this podcast. In this order, number one, you have to acknowledge that you need to change. And so when suffering comes into your life, as you are recovering from the devastation of that suffering, hopefully you're seeing God's work in your life, and therefore you want to confess, you want to acknowledge that you need to change. Number two, you want to access, or I'm sorry, you want to assess where you were wrong. Acknowledge that you need to change. Assess where you were were wrong. Number three, activate a plan to change. Number four, acquire folks to keep you on track. And then number five, accept these things as God's goodness in your life. All right, let's get into those. Acknowledge, assess, activate, acquire, and accept. I will start with the first one, acknowledge. The worst response to the coronavirus scare is oblivion to how you can benefit from it. This virus is similar to all suffering in that one of the purposes of pain is reevaluation. This response is part of of what it means to have a sound theology of suffering. Let's bring Joseph center stage because we all know his story, and he informs us of why that we want to learn from the suffering that we are going through. He said it this way, God meant it for good. That's it. 
God meant it for good. That is part of what it means to have a sound theology of suffering. If you can't find the goodness in what you are going through, then then you really are in a you're in a deep place. And rather than lashing out at God or lashing out at someone, you should ponder the pain to learn how you have grown comfortable and perhaps lazy. I'm not saying that you're lazy, but I know it happens to some people when we become spoiled, as I was saying earlier. And, and so what you want to do is acknowledge this and say, Lord, I have just become comfortable, and maybe maybe you have. Maybe that does apply to you, and you have become lazy with how things were, and now the Lord is calling you, using suffering redemptively to change Human nature tends to drift from God and others, the two great commandments, loving God and loving others more than ourselves. And so we tend to drift from God and others with no desire to love him and others more than ourselves. That is human nature. If left to our devices, we would become gods, little G-O-Ds. It's the way of fallenness. And though I I do not have all the answers as to why the Lord permits suffering in our lives, I do know this one thing. Pain can be clarifying if you let it. And so point number one, acknowledge. Acknowledge that you need to change. Now I want to give you a couple of questions here for you to ponder under this point of acknowledgement. Number one, what are some ways you have become lazy and the past few weeks you're seeing God's mercy to you and it's time to change? Number two, maybe the issue for you is not the coronavirus, but something else. Are you a spoiled married partner? That you've taken your marriage partner, your spouse, for granted? Are you a spoiled teenager? This is a common issue in our, in our culture today, in the American culture, because we, we, have been, we, we have been living in the lap of luxury for many decades now. And think about this for all of you who are over 30 years of age, over 40 years of age, Teenage, there are teenagers. The teenagers today do not remember 9/11. They have had just unbroken goodness and blessings, and I'm not saying that's bad at all. But I am saying there is a backside liability to ongoing and unbroken, unbroken blessing. And so maybe the issue is not coronavirus. Maybe it is something else—a spoiled marriage partner or a spoiled teenager. Number three, have you taken your church for granted and drifted into the spectators section rather than an active member? And so number one, you want to acknowledge. Number two, assessment. There are many other areas to see where spoilage has seeped into your life. And though my list that I have given you is not exhaustive, it is vital that you create one. You've got to learn from this even if it's only one area of your life. Not to, it not, not to acknowledge God's work in suffering is bad enough, but if you don't assess how you can turn your disappointment to redemptive good is a complicating tragedy. And so I want to mention three more areas of assess. I mean, I mean four more areas of assessment. One is time. 
Sometimes a person going through a midlife crisis starts to realize how he has not been redemptive enough with his time. And so maybe you're at that place now and you're reflecting, you're looking backward, kind of like looking at the coronavirus and, and you are acknowledging that, you know, I've, I've had kind of a good life. And, and maybe it's not the coronavirus, but it's time. And now you're 50 years old and you're looking backward and realizing, you know, I've wasted a lot of time. Will you acknowledge that? Uh, here's another one, money. When folks go through a financial loss, they begin to recall all the wasteful spending. And so we have the coronavirus, we have the spoiled marriage partner, we have the spoiled teenager, we have a person who's been wasting time, wasting money. Here's another one, friendships. When a loved one dies and, and there was unresolved conflict between the two it's a double mourning as you grieve over the death of that loved one and you grieve over your refusal to reconcile. These are call to actions for all of us, addressing your money, addressing your time, addressing your friendships, addressing your marriage, addressing your teenage life. And here's a, a final one, weight gain. You receive the disappointing diagnosis and reflectively think about all those New Year's, New Year resolutions to lose weight. And so as you make these assessments, here's what I want you to guard against. Guard against wallowing in self-pity. Staring in the rearview mirror of woulda, shoulda, coulda is not good for your soul. In fact, there is something heinous about fixating on the past. All you're trying to do here is acknowledge there's something that you can learn from this, then begin to make assessment to what specific area in your life that you need to acknowledge, but not fixating on the past. If the Lord is giving you light to step into, the most productive thing you can do is learn from the past and move forward. Here are two questions under this idea of assessment. Number one, what is your specific list of things you can change, even if it's only one item? Number two, how can you start transforming you today? This is episode 234, the unintended but strangely helpful benefit of coronavirus. The first point is acknowledge. The worst response to this is being oblivious to how you can benefit from it. Number two is assessment. Begin to identify the areas of spoilage that has seeped into your life, and it may not have anything to do with the coronavirus. Number three is activate. You need to activate a plan to change. Now that you have acknowledged that life was good and you liked it in a few non-beneficial ways, every one of us is guilty of this. And you have taken inventory by assessing some areas that need to change. It's time for a plan. You want to be specific and practical, but not excessive. You don't want to go overboard. And this is, this is what happens. Sometimes people jump from one ditch to the other. I've been in this bad spot so, for so long. You know, Let's say that you've sinned against your spouse a bunch, and, and you repent, and you say, I'm never going to do that again. Well, 
that's not true. You, you will. And so Jesus gives us some useful advice in Luke 14, 28, where he said that we should, we should count the cost before building a tower. And so under this idea of activating a plan, you want to sit down and, and you want to begin to think through this in a more rational way. You're under reconstruction today, but before you just throw something on the wall, You want to ponder and pray about a path forward. Whatever your area of change is, my appeal to you is to find a person who is doing well with what you want to do. Find that person who is kind of getting it in this specific area, and then ask them for some tips on what has worked for them. And so identify the area. You've assessed the area to change. Now assess an individual who is actually doing that well. For example, if you're changing your marriage, don't ask the unhappy couple for advice. They will not be able to help you. You want folks who have field-tested their opinions. You, you see this in their lives. The things that they're sharing with you are things that they are actually doing. In fact, I would not even recommend a, a biblical counselor. Biblical counselors can be helpful. I understand that. But talk to a person who's actually doing it because it could be that your biblical counselor is not the area that that you're asking about, that they might not be doing that well, and they may only know theoretical advice, no matter how biblical it may be. And so find a person who has field-tested the opinions that they are sharing with you. Find someone who is doing it well and pick their brains. This is point number three, activate. Here are some questions for you to think about. What do you think you ought to do? You're activating a plan, so what do you think that plan should be? Number two, what have a couple of competent friends suggested to you? Now you're, you're building out a knowledge base as you think about your plan. You're not just throwing something against a wall, but you're actually thinking about this. And so you have your opinion of, of what you should do, and now you talk to one or two competent friends, and they share with you their opinions of, of how they are doing it well, and maybe they would even assess your opinion of yourself of what you should do. Number three, how do you believe the Lord is leading you? And then number four, will you write out a specific plan for change? And so you've assessed it and given your opinion. You've talked to someone else. They've given their opinion. You have spent time before the Lord trying to discern God's will in this matter. And now number four, will you write out a a specific plan? The unintended but strangely helpful benefit of coronavirus is the title of episode 234, episode 234. The three things that we have covered so far is that I have covered so far is to acknowledge that you need change. Number two, assess where you were wrong. And then number three, activate a plan to change. And then number four, acquire folks to keep you on track.
Now, if you want to read everything that I'm sharing with you, you can go to episode 234 and read all of this that I'm sharing. Also, I have a ton of embedded links inside of these show notes. And so you could spend days, literally weeks, studying the information that I have for you. And by the way, for most of us, we have a lot of time on our hands. And so this could be the ideal time for you to really dig into how spoilage has seeped into your life and you have been doing things that you know you need to change. And so all these questions that I'm asking you, they're written out here as well. And you can print these articles off. You can print these show notes off by going to the bottom of the show notes, which is the same for all all of our articles, if you go to the bottom, just print them off, and then you can you can share them. It would be great for a small group, by the way. All right, number four, acquire. Now it's time to find a friend who will walk alongside you through the transformation. Now, perhaps the person that you find will be one of the folks that you went and asked advice from. I, I say that uh, because it could be that the person who gave you advice doesn't have the time or it's just not a good season for them to walk with you. So the person that you ask advice from might not be the same person who holds you accountable. The key idea with this friend is that is that they are farther up the path of sanctification than you are at least in the area you want to change. Maybe you should be their accountability partner in an area where they are not doing swell at, but in this particular friend that you're looking for, they are farther up the path in this area that you have assessed and that you acknowledged and assessed and you've activated a plan. And so now you're going to number four, acquire this person. It it would not be someone similar to you. And that's important. For example, a teenager who has wasted time on the computer and has, has an addiction, they should not seek out a fellow teen who who does not have the life experience or wisdom to to help through the struggle. This is the youth pastor problem, but the youth pastor who, let's say not, and I'm not dissing on youth pastors either, but the youth pastor who's not married or the youth pastor who's married and doesn't have children or they have young children and they just haven't experienced the contours of teenage life or empty nesting, they're not going to be able to help uh, these older people to walk through that. And so what you want to do is not find somebody who is similar to you, but someone who's farther up the path of sanctification. And the primary reason for this is that because you're going to fail, not being negative here, but it's just the truth. You're going to fail, and so you need mature advice from a person who has been there and done that, not a person who has theoretical ideas uh, about how to work through whatever it is you're wanting to change, not a person who has read a few things and they have advice. You're going to need long-term advice. Long-term advice, not just to get you started, but also to pull you out of the ditch because you're going to fail at this. There will be times where you're just they're going to be bad days. And if that individual is not mature enough, 
competent enough. If they haven't had this experience, it's going to be hard for them to give you advice. I mean, all they'll be able to do eventually is just shrug their shoulders. Oh, I don't know what to do. I mean, well, it's like, you know, I'm working through this with you. I'm praying for you. No, you need more than that. And this idea of failure, not being negative, but how many long-term plans have you executed flawlessly? Now, maybe you did a one-and-done thing. I activated this plan. It was one thing, and and I did it perfectly because it was just one thing that I had to do. No, we're talking about long-term change here. We're talking about a process. It could take six months. It could take a year or two. And, and so this is going to be an extended period And when you think about all the extended periods in your life where you've executed a plan, you haven't done any of them flawlessly. None of us have made essential changes without disappointment and failure as part of the process. I I don't say this critically, but realistically, we're not flawless people. And even our best plans will intersect with failures. And by the way, from a sovereign perspective, That's part of God's will. He uses our disappointments to mature us. And so under this idea of acquire, I have a couple of questions for you. Who will be your Paul as you build out your plan? If you are a lady, you're looking for a Paulette. Don't go find a Paul. You're looking for a Paulette. Every Timothy Timothy needs a Paul. And so you want to spend time in prayer while doing sound interviewing work. Now, I'm not talking about a formalized interview like a resume, but you want to make careful assessment to make sure you have the right person. And so who is your Paul? This is point number four. You're acquiring a person. Is that person able to stick with you over the long haul because you will not do it flawlessly? And then number three, how will you communicate and with what frequency will you communicate? Point number five is accept. This is a vital point. Not that the others weren't. Accept things. Accept these things, what you're going through, the disappointment. Accept the disappointment as God's goodness in your life. This is absolutely huge. You you will know if you're doing this well, if you have gratitude for what has happened to you. If gratefulness is part of your suffering, there is if if great gratefulness is not part of your suffering, there's something wrong with you and with your relationship with God. Now listen slowly here. I am not suggesting you will be grateful during or immediately after the crisis. I'm not saying that. But eventually, Eventually, God's sovereign care and direction of your life must draw praise out. The worst cases of this are the Christians who are a a decade or more removed from their disappointment and are bitter, or worse, they carry the mantle of a victim. I'm not questioning their victimness. I've I've done podcasts, I've written entire articles on this idea that we're all victims, and so I'm not making light of it, I'm not trivializing it, I'm not saying that you're not, uh, that you haven't been victimized by anyone, and so I'm not questioning that, but at some point, no matter what has happened to us, the goodness of God has to transform all of our ashes into beauty, and 
You don't want to wait until you see the fruit of your new plan manifesting before you begin practicing gratitude. Sometimes people aren't happy. They aren't grateful until whatever whatever they lost is replaced. No, at some point during your suffering, you, you should be, there should be the growth, even in embryonic form, of gratitude. And you can do that today, even if it feels somewhat rote. I'm not suggesting that you be artificial or rote in your praise, but you can begin asking God to give you a spirit of thanksgiving. That's where you start. There's an element of gratefulness in there because there is hope in the ask. There is hopefulness in your prayerfulness because you know that joy is going to come in the morning, and so you begin to ask. Here's a question for you. Where are, where are, where are you with gratitude as you think about the Lord's work in your life? Are you more grateful than despondent? If, if you're not, it's okay. The question that I'm asking is for assessment, not condemnation. But you do need to acknowledge where you are currently. And if you're more despondent than grateful, you need to acknowledge that. But my question is, are, are you, more, are, are you growing, growing in gratitude? Are, are you working toward gratitude in a hope-filled way because of the Lord's work in your life? Number two, will you start a list of things you're grateful for? Even if it has nothing to do with what has happened to you, your goal here is to cultivate a spirit of praise in your life. I have some more questions here. I have some other things in the call to action as well, but we're out of time. This is episode 234, the unintended but, but strangely benefit of coronavirus. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.